jobs for young people, and even about issues on which we all thought we had achieved a national consensus. When some amongst us are raising questions about the certainties on which we are building the state, it is not surprising that worries about the stability of the government will become cause for heightened tension in the nation. Mr. Speaker, two years ago to the day, we were in the midst of a lockdown in the main metropolitan centers of our country. We were truly in the midst of the unknown. It took a while before it even got a name but a pandemic it was. And the only certainty about it was that nobody knew very much about it. The scientists, the health experts, and the World Health Organization were all united in their view that the virus would cause a lot of devastation. The measures that have been announced by the Minister for Finance are meant to demonstrate that we are aware that we are in difficult times and we are addressing the situation. The belt tightening measures being set for members of the executives of the executive have been elaborated within this context. And I'm hoping that you're going to join us in this uh, Undertaking. This government remains alive to its responsibilities to the Ghanaian people. The difficulties of the time notwithstanding, we, need, we intend to continue to grow this economy and bring prosperity. That will only happen when we continue to invest in the future. The passage of the Right to Information Act, the Witness Protection Act, the Amendment of the Criminal Offenses Act, and other laws have enhanced significantly the capacity of the state in the fight against corruption. It is also an undeniable fact that budgetary allocations for institutions actively engaged in public sector accountability, that is the Office of the Auditor General, the Judiciary, Parliament, and the Ghana Police Service, have witnessed significant increases since I assumed office in 2017. Furthermore, we now have a new special prosecutor who appears to have all the wherewithal necessary to exercise vigorously the prerogatives of his office. This pandemic exposed other shortcomings of our country, which have undoubtedly contributed to the anxieties that have befallen the nation. Agenda 111 was born out of this necessity to address some of these shortcomings. At the normal rate of growth, we're not likely to make up the deficit in our health facilities infrastructure for a very long time. Hence the need for a special dedicated program of infrastructural development. We are undertaking the construction of 101 entities which comprise standard 100-bed district hospitals for 101 districts without hospitals with accommodation for doctors and nurses. Six new regional hospitals for each of the six new regions. The rehabilitation of the Afia Quanta Hospital in the Western region one new regional hospital for the western region and three psychiatric hospitals for each of the three zones of the country that is north middle and coastal it is an ambitious project which must and will be done and which will create some 33,900 jobs for construction workers and on completion some 34,300 jobs for health workers. Mr. Speaker, I have to report, like all major construction projects, it is evident that the initial schedule 
we gave for the completion of Agenda 111 was overly ambitious. Identifying suitable sites around the country, for example, has turned out to be even more problematic than had been anticipated. I am now able to say that a great deal of the preparatory work has now been completed and work has started at 87 of the 111 sites. I've been assured that preliminary work on the remaining 24 sites is ongoing. We have every intention of seeing this project through to a successful end, which will enable me to commission all 111 hospitals before I leave office on 7th January 2025. Mr. Speaker, we have saved lives and fared much better than we had feared and the experts predicted. But the consequences of lockdowns, border and business closures, and unplanned expenditures have combined to have a devastating impact on our economy. Our children will continue to be educated and be equipped to run a modern and digitalized economy. The free SHS and free TVET are the best vehicles we have devised to, to take us to the realization of our goal of an educated and skilled workforce. The computerized school placement system is currently ongoing and the latest batch of JHS students will soon embark on their free SHS and free TVET education. We have kept to our promise and kept the lights on in spite of worldwide upheavals in the energy sector and in spite of the huge legacy debts we inherited. We've almost completed the process of restructuring these debts to reduce their crippling effects on our public expenditure. With the introduction of more bulk supply points in areas such as Kasua and Pukuase, power transmission has improved tremendously in the southwestern and northwestern parts of Greater Accra. I know that the word unprecedented is often used with careless abandon in our public discourse but I use it carefully and purposefully. In the five years of my government, so far, more roads have been built, improved, and upgraded than that at any equivalent period under any government in the history of Ghana. Some 10,800 and 85 kilometers of new roads have been constructed in these five years. It was my honor and great pleasure to have commissioned the Tamale Interchange. first such interchange in the, in the northern sector of our country which the people which the people of Tamale gladly celebrated. Very interesting. Um, I've listened to that um, presentation about three times and I observe a number of things. Um, nicely written statements on very nice um, you know, phrases that have been used in there, the way certain things have been described. But the question is, what's the value of this exercise? Um, let's start with you, um, uh, Theo. Uh, certainly, I mean, the optics, this is, uh, this is a 78-year-old president who is strong and still on his feet. He has a presence of mind. He's standing on his feet for this long and talking and even the way he goes about uh, making the presentation shows that um, he's strong. But question is, nice English and all 
When I read like two years ago, it felt like we had fallen into a dark, malicious, and terrifying abyss. Like, good. Whoever is writing must be doing a good job, and we have known him to write for himself for a long time, but he cannot afford to be doing that anymore. What's the value of this? Uh, what, were, what were your takeaways? The minority says this does not reflect the reality of the state of the nation. You know, my, my friends in Jamestown will say big bluff. <laughs> uh, 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 a, a lot of nice English and um, uh, a lot of also um, statements that were made by the president to capture, in a sense, the times that we are, we are in, right? So um, he uses words like uh, a lot of Ghanaians um, have, a, there's a sense of anxiety yeah. at the moment. And he also recognizes or uses the word that we are in um, difficult economic times. And in fact, the week before, the finance minister had also addressed the press and in fact stated pretty much the same things that the President did um, indicate. Um, yeah. when, when he spoke about the living conditions, he, he says the bumps, the bumps must be, might be dropping on cities half a world away, but they are hitting our pockets here in Ghana. It has always been hitting our pockets. We live in a hyper-globalized economy, so what happens far away in a place like Ukraine, definitely has uh, an impact. So that's the import of the, of the statement that the president um, made. But the reality is that, of course, we elect governments to um, soften the blow that these impacts otherwise will have on, on us. And if you look at the, the challenges that we're in, fuel prices are up, inflation has gone up, uh, the exchange rate is depreciated almost 15% year to date. Um, interest rates have gone up, and then also you have a big issue of revenue mobilization that we um, need to uh, sort of uh, address. So it is within this context that I sort of situate what the president um, said uh, to the House in terms of the state of, of the nation and what um, they're trying to do to fix what otherwise looks like a very um, difficult uh, problem. In a sense, I feel a bit like a, it's a bit of a deja vu going back to 2014-15 with the similar economic dynamics, right, that are at play. In um, the past few years, you also saw fuel prices go up, you saw inflation going up, the city became a big issue, we even had public lectures on, on it, uh, and off the back of that, um, a certain statements were, were made. So the, government, the president now says that, well, there are some belt tightening measures that they have um, introduced now, although he didn't give enough details on that. But the detail comes from what the finance minister told us uh, a few days before that. So there are two things I just want to perhaps highlight here. Okay. The first on the um, expenditure side of the, of the equation, where the government as of January actually said they were cutting expenditure by 20%. And the way they're going to be doing this is basically to cut the amounts that the MDEs spend within the public financial management system. And then there's going to be an extra 10% cut in discretionary expenditure going forward. So that's another, if you add that about 30%, and then you also got the other, what I call, smaller optics, which is uh, the 30% cut in the salary of ministers and heads of SOEs. Um, uh, fewer coupons are going to come down by 50%. Uh, there's a ban on travel by government officials, um, uh, with the exception of certain pre-approved ones, and also a 50% reduction in conferences and meeting um, expenditure. Um, when you add all of these things collectively, what they do is to help the government meet its original deficit target that they set in the 2022 budget of 7.4% of GDP. If they hadn't announced these extra cuts, then we would have actually probably been looking 
at a deficit for this year of uh, between 9 and 10% of, of, of GDP. So in that respect, the expenditure side of the equation, something has been announced in terms of this belt tightening measures. Question is, how sustainable would they be going forward? And then you also have the revenue side, right, of the equation where they managed to pass the e-levy despite the concerns that people uh, or some of us have. Um, and there's also now uh, a measure at the port um, in terms of uh, new, new duty, new exit, they call it. Um, so all these are extra revenue enhancing measures. But for the everyday Ghanaian, what they want to see really is the cost of fuel and the cost of living come down ultimately. I think we're not there yet because we're still seeing all the ripple effects of what is happening in the global economy still um, manifesting at the local uh, level. And, and, and lastly, even the 15p reduction in petrol prices at the pump that the government offered to citizens, when you actually work out the numbers, is actually only um, approximate to a 2% right, reduction in um, the prices that you pay. So 15p looks big uh, on paper. The reality is that it's only a 2%, you know, a cumulative reduction. So we're not out of the woods yet by any stretch. Mm. But at least the signaling now going forward mm. looks to me as though that something is being done to uh, address the, the, the problem. Uh, people, 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 sort of people have already started raising issue that you say you are taking austerity measures and then the travels except statutory and the rest. And after this, his birthday, he's gone. Uh, he's catching a flight, going to attend a TD Jakes program. Question is, what's what is the what? How important is that? Um, we need to know if he's attending to that on our budgets. I don't know the details. The question is, was this a pre-arranged travel before the announcement uh, or not? I, 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 would, I would have to know the details. It certainly was pre-arranged. It was pre-arranged. Okay. So, so the, the point really for, for me then going forward is, you know, sometimes, like I said, uh, our policymakers say one thing and they do another, right? And, and it all comes down to the the optics of it but also for me i also want to see um how that ultimately is reflected in the economic numbers uh in the sense that citizens begin to see uh, a, a reduction um or an improvement rather let me put it that way in right the everyday things that they are engaged in so we want inflation under control we want fuel prices to be relatively, you know, the, moving all over the place. The, don't want the, to the church, TDJ's church, Porter's house, has a summit. He's attending the summit as one of the speakers to encourage people. You're saying you want to see how that reflects in the numbers, in the economy? How? Yeah, so point is, do these things actually bring in investment flows at the end of the day? Do they create jobs? Do they um, allow us to go and expand the economy? Can some of the meetings actually be scrapped, right? Uh, in the sense that you don't need to travel to have some of these uh, engagement. These days, I mean, I sit here in the UK and I, I talk all over the world, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and you are able to still speak. But sometimes, too, you actually need to travel to have those you know, meetings and engagement. So we need to work out the, the cost benefit. But the, the bigger point is that. They cannot tell us to tighten our belts, and in one sense, they have a loose belt right uh, on, and, mm. and that I think is rather um, unfair. Okay, be, bef before I move on, because this is an area, this is one of your er the areas of uh, comfort for you. Uh, tell us, the, the president continues this refrain. Uh, he says, "We have kept to our promise and kept the lights on." kept the lights on. What is it that his government has done to keep the lights from going off? By the time the Mahama regime was exiting, 
the lights were on. What is he talking about? Well, at the time I am now receiving the lights had come on, some new contracts had been signed. Um, what has been significant in the last perhaps two, three years is um, an attempt to renegotiate some of those contracts that were signed, which were um, costing the Treasury quite a lot of money in terms of the take or pay um, for both the power purchase agreement and then the gas sales uh, supply uh, agreement, you know, uh, as well. Um, so to that extent, you can actually um, give them a bit of credit for renegotiating some of the terms of this agreement and even cancelling some of the IPPs uh, contracts that we signed, which we don't need as a country uh, for at least the next, you know, uh, five five years in in that respect. But the point really is that. The light had already started coming on um, from about 2017 onwards, uh, but that is the supply side of the equation. There's also the transmission and the distribution, and to uh, the credit of the government, we've seen more investment going into the distribution end of the, of the market with the various box supply points that you see, mm. um, particularly in the Southern Corridor. Yeah, he spoke about, uh, he, spoke, he spoke about Kaswa and Pokwasi. Yeah, so that, that has um, improved the supply to the consumers, but it is not a supply in terms of new generation. The generation issue had been solved. The biggest issue we had or have currently is the one to do with the distribution, the ECG end of the um, energy value chain and that's so, where you so see my question is that is a, is a statement accurate when he continues to say that he's kept his promise and kept the lights on because Dumso was over before he took over yes but Dumso was a supply problem what we're dealing with now is uh, an intermittency issue in terms of the distribution networks and I have argued that you need to solve all of the issues from within the entire value chain. So I think largely that statement reflects, right, what we have seen in terms of interventions over the, the period. Okay. Um, Martin, let me have you, uh, your take here. Uh, which areas attract your attention? And I suppose that, Martin, you may be looking at uh, questions of uh, good governance, um, judiciary, matters of corruption, uh, when it comes to the issue of uh, the corruption fight, for example, he refers to the passage of the Right to Information Act, uh, that's a great one, the Witness Protection Act. Of course, we know that the Right to Information Act, and let's tell the politicians what are facts. The, at the turn of the elections, the Right to Information Act bill was ready for passage. The MPP sabotaged it so that they would mm -hmm. come to power and pass it. It was cooked. Uh, he talks about the Witness Protection Act. He talks about the amendment to the Criminal Offenses Act. And he says mm -hmm. these and other laws have enhanced significantly the capacity of the state in the fight against corruption. He says a special prosecutor uh, appears to have all the wherewithal necessary to exercise vigorously the prerogatives of his office. Special Prosecutor spoke to us not long ago. He spoke about needing money. Uh, the amendment of the Criminal Offenses Act, what's your understanding of which amendment has led to significantly enhance the capacity of the state to fight corruption? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, it's something. So uh, as far as I'm aware, the amendment that comes closest is the one about uh, recalibrating corruption now, okay, as a felony. But in actual fact, it's just a change of name because, you know, uh, hitherto, even though corruption was called the misdemeanor in the Act 29, as a Criminal Offenses Act, right. popularly called Criminal Code, under Section 296 of the Act 30, the punishment was up to 25 years. You see, they made an amendment. That's so right. though they, you see misdemeanor in Act 29, the punishment for it in Act 30 was uh, up to 25 years. So 
the subsequent amendment under His Excellency's uh, regime to make it a felony really is just giving it a new name. But in practice, it was biting that much. If only we had people who had been convicted. It was so, form and not substance. Excellent. Okay. Now, and then, now there is a minimum of 12 years. Okay. Mm. I think, yes, that's the thing. So, still, but something where it is is that no hanging fruits. So, for me, really, that amendment doesn't carry as far. I would have expected that you and I, our favorite provision under, uh, let's say, Article 286, Clause 4, the one that talks about unexplained wealth. Right. Something. That is the heart of the matter. That is the one we need to implement, unexplained wealth. Somebody comes into office and then overnight he's building properties left, right, center. By the time he's living, he's amassed so much wealth. That is what we need to implement. That there will be a law to impl uh, practical, uh, I mean, implement the, uh, the, the, the 286 plus 4. That at the time you are leaving office, you appear before Shraj, okay, automatically. And explain all your wealth. And I'm saying that in our history, when the Jagge Commission sat, our history shows that people used to send evidence to the commission in the night. They went and push it under the doors. So the next morning, by the time the commissioners and staff came, they would find envelopes that contained evidence that Mr. X, upon becoming minister, built this house, bought this fresh car, Bugatti, Lamborghini, Tammy, you name them. And so, investigate you remember that the last time cdd the last time i read something about this corruption fight they said at least eight out of ten Ghanaians are scared of reporting uh, corruption and other malfeasances against public officers something less possible most of our population are scared of reporting so the only method or the, 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 the a more viable way of fighting corruption is that have a standing committee, then the people can send evidence surreptitiously. Remember this case, Republic versus Apia. Uh, he was a special prosecutor even before uh, Martinami under the old law. That was how Apia, who was a special prosecutor himself, was convicted, uh, 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 charged, tried, and convicted. Somebody found his uh, bank accounts in England and all that and took it. They went and slipped it under the doors. They found it at the offices of the uh, commission that was set up. So for me, just passing new laws really by itself, we don't do much. How do we make it easy for Ghanaians to come up and give evidence? Mm. One. And then two, that automatic appearance before a commission to explain your wealth. Let's make it automatic. That's what was done practically mm. to Kwame mm. Kumeh's appointees, the Jagge yeah. Commission. Even apart from that, there was another commission mm. where almost all the appointees, you see their volumes, everybody, yeah. they had to account for their uh, properties. Yeah. Now we don't do it. On the, on the corruption, on the corruption, anti-corruption front, uh, there's something he's been saying from, uh, since he took over, and you can't take that away from him, can you? Uh, he speaks about the Office of the At uh, Attorney General, the Auditor General, the Judiciary, uh, Parliament, and the Ghana Police Service that have witnessed <clears throat> significant increase in their budgetary allocations since he assumed office in 2017. Uh, my only issue is, if you are giving the report of the State of the Nation, is it to 2017? And, but but that's something you can't take away from him, right? Yes, yes, something, yes, that's good. That one, yes, I dug my heart off uh, for him. Yes, the increased budgetary allocation is good. It's good, especially when it comes to uh, law enforcement. You know, the when you interact with the police prosecutors and investigators, often transporting accused and suspects to court is such a huge problem. Mm. Okay. So with the increase in the number of cars that they've given them, we hope it will trickle down. Because you still see police investigators uh, taking accused persons in taxis and the rest to court. So it appears maybe IG at this level, maybe the cars that have been given, some have to trickle down. All right. Sometimes you see the police vehicles, but you still see a lot of taxis too. Mm. So I dust my hat off to the president. Mm. 
maybe we should do more, except that now we can't borrow more. So I really wonder where the money will come from. Uh, well, you, you may be wrong, because we know that e-levy, it is intended to be used as a collateral to secure a loan, uh, as the Rose Minister told us. Yes, uh, Mama Yaga, the, the President spoke, and people recognize, I mean, except those, his critics, who criticize sometimes even without merit. They must criticize all the time, anything, anyhow. Um, he, he showed that he understood what was going on, uh, the cost of living for people, the absence of jobs, and the rest of them. He sought to empathize, or if you like, sympathize with people. And then he came to issues like roads, he spoke about the 10,855, 75 kilometers of new roads that have been constructed in the five years that he has been president. That's a lot of things he's Yeah, done. I mean, as, as part of the show of empathy, mm. following day he flew out of the country and then went to the U.S., all at the expense of the state to attend the church service effectively. We had known a month ago that he would go at a, to TDJ's program. It's been advertised. TDJ's have been speaking about it. Yes, and after that, he then committed to his country hmm. that he's going to cut cost. And as part of the cost-cutting measure, he's going to reduce travels of public officers. And I imagine that most public officers in this country travel to transact public business. But in his case, he is traveling not to conduct public business, but to satisfy TB Jakes, because this is not public business. Mm. When he gets to the UK and he's meeting the prime minister at number 10 Downing Street, that, I think, is public business. Maybe he will so, spend, so, 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 so spend a day in Porter's house, and I hear he has four days. days. It is the, then the rest it, of the four days, you'll be is, working for is, us. It is the fact that he's paying plane tickets with a whole security apparatus and an administrative machinery because he always needs them around him mm. to travel to the U.S. before he then goes to the U.K. The airfare is not the same. The hotel expenditure will not be the same. And their per diems and other things will not be the same. So clearly this is not an expression of, of empathy. And then he says 10,000 new roads. I mean, uh, he's chairman of the Rose Authority, uh, Rose Fund. He knows that they haven't done 10,000 new roads. At most, the records show that they've done about 4,000 new roads. And even most of them are not really new roads. The evidence shows that most of them are routine maintenance, reshaping of roads, and etc. I mean, every government adds on. The, the 4, but just 000, is exactly what you have done. The 4,000 yes. is what the Rose Minister reported to Parliament yes. about what had been done yes. as of, is it, May 2021? Yes. So, Except that he so, presented that report this year. Yes, but the point is that the point is that May 2021, between May 2021, there hasn't been much construction in this country. There hasn't been much construction in this country, and this country doesn't even have the capacity in terms of machinery and contractors within one year to construct 6,000 roads. We don't have the capacity. Even if we had all the money available, we don't have the capacity to do that. So clearly, is it possible that at the time, was, at the time the Rose Minister was reporting, these uh, about a cumulative of about six thousand kilometers were near completion, and he didn't want to add them. I'm saying that, and so it could take just a few months, and then he asked them I'm that. I'm saying that it is impossible. It's not true. We've gone for the details of the roads. Many of them are just reshaping, routine maintenance. They are not new roads. New roads. I want you to go and take a virgin land and you now construct a new road. Then you go and take a path to a town or a village and then you now construct into a road. If there's already a road and then through erosion and other matters, you need to just reshape and you go and reshape. You haven't constructed a new road. You've done routine maintenance, you have done reshaping and etc. Sometimes you redo it every completely. That would be a new every road. Every government does something. He has done something. I cannot say that he hasn't done anything. In fact, the road to Boku has been constructed. As we speak, there are major bridges going to Boku that they are busy mm. constructing. So I'm one of those who I used that road not long ago, it yes. was good. Yes, I will, I'm one of those who will not deny that some work has taken place. But if you do 4,000 and come and say you've done 10,000, well, you, 
you misrepresent your character. And I think that that is not So why didn't you right. on the floor admit some of the things that he has supervised uh, rather than say the things you are saying is not a reflection of the reality? And the, man, the minority, uh, minority leader spoke on your behalf. Yes. If he has done 4,000, he's coming and says he has done 10,000. It's not a reflection of reality. We're not saying he hasn't done anything, but no, capture I mean, the reality. Acknowledge, capture what you have acknowledge done. Acknowledge what is done and then criticize what there's fault with. That we do. I mean, is that not what I'm doing here? The minority leader didn't do that. Oh, but he just made a general statement. Minority hasn't even spoken yet on the State of the Nation address. He hasn't debated yet. Others are debating it. And we are debating it in the mm. media. Mm. So where we need to acknowledge we do, but you, you, know, you don't tell such grievous lies. And you talk about electricity. I mean, he keeps trying to create an impression that he solved the problem of doing so in this country. Everybody knows that when you came, the lights were on. But I'm, 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 I'm you know, admiring his, his, his uh, antics. You see, he keeps saying that I have succeeded in keeping the lights on. When he says keeping the lights on, he acknowledges that the lights were on. His job is how to keep it on. He didn't say that I have put the lights on. If you had said that he put the lights on, then he solved the doomsday problem. But he's admitting that somebody solved the doomsday problem, and that he is now just managing to keep it on. Mm. What he doesn't do is to admit that the person who put it, who solved it, and put the lights on, also had a strategy for keeping it on, and that was why we went into the compact, the uh, the, the minimum challenge account. You know, we had a compact with them, mm. which was. Energy center. Yeah, but you have, left, you have left unconscionable debts on, on the country, and that's, they blame partly our woes to some of those uh, debts. Not really. I mean, the whole idea is that we had an ambitious program of generation. They felt we didn't need to generate as much as we agreed to generate with mm. contractors. And therefore, that ambitious program of generation, you know, imposed burdens on us. But we explained that. Avoidable it, it, it was pursuant to a program of selling what we didn't need. So if you've decided that that's not going to be your agenda, that's a different thing. It was our agenda. Can I clarify that point a bit? Uh, yes, yes, uh, Dr. Echampon, let's hear you. Yes, um, it's just a quick intervention. Yeah. I mean, the idea of wanting to sell what you don't need, fine. But you cannot be selling power at more than 15 cents a kilowatt hour to your neighbors when next door in Cote d'Ivoire, others are selling or generating power below 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, so I think that also needs to be put into context that, okay, we over procured power, which we didn't need, and that imposed a strain on the, on the treasury. So I just wanted to clarify that point. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, right. it wasn't just, it wasn't, it wasn't just that you are going to uh, uh, sell, but also we had an ambitious industrialization program, and so we assume that within that period, you, you said that in the next five years, we'll not need it, but it means that in five years' time, we will need it. So, so everybody and what the vision and the strategy was. But the point is that we had dealt with the Dumso issue, and we had a plan to deal with the ramifications of the policies and measures that we had put in place. Of course, he has to admit that cost of living is, is unbearable. Uh, I was hoping to see in the address a clear strategy to deal with the problem of youth unemployment. Because that is a major challenge that we are confronted with in this country. You didn't hear at all or you didn't hear enough? I use the word comprehensive strategy. Okay. I heard things about a 1D1F you know, implementation and where it had reached. But clearly, we're all in this country. I'm in parliament, and I see the loan, or what do you call it, the tax exemptions for 1D1F. Many of them are existing factories. Many of them are existing factories. But, but, so, so, but uh, yes. a, a dying factory revived uh, better than allowing it to die. If it is a dying factory, mm -hmm. but many of them are not dying factories. Many of them are not dying factories. But the understanding behind the policy when it was announced mm. was to establish new factories, mm. to add to existing factories. All right. And to establish the, 
uh, the factories in places that didn't have factories. That was the understanding. Not to now go and take existing factories and start also giving them the same incentives as you are giving to those that you know you are encouraging to establish in you know areas where ordinary people will not have. So he spoke factories. about. That's uh, why it was one district, about, one factory. Which he spoke about the district. area of agriculture, yes. and said that you know they were using new technology to attract more young people into agriculture and he gave us numbers of how they are getting the youth into that then when it came to the one district one factory he also stated the fact that they are using a strategy that is bringing a lot of youth in it he says um, that out of a total of 278 1D1F projects at various stages of implementation in all the 16 regions, 106 factories are currently operational, 148 are under construction, while 24 projects are at mobilization stages. In order to bring the youth on board the 1D1F project program, 58 out of the 278 uh, 1D1F projects have been developed as enterprises fully owned by youth groups with direct government support. Each of the 1D1F youth companies are owned by between 40 and 50 youth as shareholders. And he went on to talk about how they are also providing support in the agri industry by providing common user facilities to attract a lot more youth to come in there. So that's jobs. When you have your public and private universities on an annual basis, graduating about 100,000 young people hmm? per annual, you are telling me 40, 50 youth. You have created jobs for 40, 50 youth. And you think that that addresses your problem where annually your universities are graduating close to 100,000 you know, youth. That's the scale of the problem. I'm talking about the scale how comprehensive it is. Isn't that nothing is being done? What are the figures relative to the gravity of the problem? And that is what I didn't see properly addressed. Mm. So, you know, you can come and address the nation and say nice things, but I will look at the figures behind the nice things. So, yes, 1D1F. How many years now? You announced this policy before you came into office. You got into office as far back as 2017, okay? Up to 2020, another election. Now you are in 2022. You still can't tell me that as a result of my 1D1F pro program, I have created 200,000 jobs and given details so that we as a minority can then take it, break it down into constituencies, and then go and ascertain whether that reflects the situation. Agenda 111, he says, will create some 33,900 jobs for construction workers on completion, some 34,300 jobs for health workers. <laughs> well, he says he would definitely commission all 101 uh, by the 7th of uh, January. Yeah. Well, you know that even that, they had to pass 2025. They had to pass yeah. a levy. The COVID levy was passed, and in the whole press briefing of the Minister of Finance, mm. they indicated that they're going to use a portion of the COVID levy to provide these hospital facilities. Okay. So what is ingenious about taxing us and taking the money to go and construct hospitals? I haven't really been ingenious about anything. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's an easy way of managing uh, a country. I thought you, had, you told me earlier that you're admitting where you have to admit that yes. he's making progress. Yes. And then where you have to criticize, you criticize as it were reasonably. No, no. But in the first place, these hospitals, hmm. the promise was made during COVID. It was supposed to be done immediately as part of our measures to deal with the COVID problem. As we speak, I haven't seen any of these hospitals. He says he will try and then commission them before he leaves office. He will not commission them before he leaves office. I know that for sure. Mm. Even if after one or two of them may be successfully commissioned. Because the, the, the last time we asked, the ministers were talking about 
procuring land in some communities for these hospitals. It took them two or three years since the announcement of the policy for them to even get the land to construct. When I know that every chief is scrambling for hospitals in his jurisdiction. And so if you ask chiefs for land, overnight they will get you the land. He says but this the government managed to take years he says the hurdles, just to secure the land. He says the hurdles have been cleared. So now there's so preparatory the work. Preparatory the work. Preparatory works have been completed and work has started on 87 of the one one one. As we see, as we speak. Every chief is eager to get a hospital in his jurisdiction. Okay. And will be eager to give the land overnight. They mm. didn't need to waste years but, uh, just to get the land. Uh, secondly, secondly, there are model designs of hospitals sitting at the Ministry of Health. Depending on how many bed hospitals they need, they just no, for this one they have the design. For this one they have the design. Yes. yes. So what are the uh, things taking us? What, what do you say years? about the criticism that the regime as in your government? quote unquote, is suffering over the state of the nation? Well, <clears throat> we are in a political space. And like you put it to Ayaga, it will be difficult for them as a party to see anything good in us. And understandably so, we are in a political competition. And they are looking forward to 2024. But you see, this is not an NDC-MPP matter. Mm. It's an issue for Madagana. And when you have done, no. when you have done almost 11,000 kilometers of roads, that must be a fact. Um, first, government says it has kept its promises it made. That is true. Maybe in terms of the quantum, people may still have issues, and that is justified. But if you go back into the records and ask yourself all the things we said in opposition that will restore nursing training allowance, teacher training allowance, introduce free SHS, come up with this policy to drive the private sector called uh, one district, one factory, invest in the youth, all these are happening but like you said and he admitted it may not be 100 percent now he was talking about expecting a government policy on uh, unemployment perhaps people have not paid attention to the e-levy and what government intends to do with it Government was bold on using the e-levy to achieve two things. One, fix the roads. I've already talked about the road sector, and I won't repeat myself. But we know that if we properly ensure certainty in payment, contractors will be happy. And in fact, I know that upon passage of the bill, the, the act, contractors and our financial institutions we're more, very happy because at least if implementation go the way is expected and road fund is able to get enough and consistently there is a plan repayment plan for ipcs no contractor would have to go through any guru boy the unemployment problem that we have at the grassroots will be resolved because no contractor will pack out of sight mm. will be at the site to employ the carpenter the steel bender, the mason, the woman selling wache, selling cocoa would have a job. So if it's a job for 18 months, you know that in the locality, there will be jobs for the boys. So that is a bold statement by government, and I am happy that eventually we've been able to pass the law. The second thing, the former sector. A lot of our youth, if you come to my office, Samson, you come and meet over... I, would, I can't quantify. A lot of CVs. Mahama has CVs in his office. Perhaps you, you are not in politics, but I'm sure people see you on TV, they'll bring you their CVs. As we speak now, there are people asking me to connect them to you. Right. And all of them, when they you ask them, so Ghana awesome. Gas, mm. ECG, Cocoa Board, GMPC, what have you? 
Now the youth will say, I want to go to police, etc. Can the former sector, can government take on all of them? No. So that is why the youth start program has been introduced. And government says that specifically, I need dedicated funding for it. Try me and prove me. Give me the opportunity. I want to create a new enabling environment for the Ghanaian youth who has his own creative skills, who wants to go into the private sector. But this time, the difference here is that government policy is directing this through the private uh, banks, the financial institutions. Mm. So it's no more business as usual. And uh, Samson, I need to emphasize this point, that in this country, all the opportunities we got from government, this one is not limited to MPP or NDC, both. People get opportunity, a majority of them abuse it because say, it's coming from my government. I voted for them. I'm a party member. I think that Ghanaians would have to change their attitude on this because at the end of the day, it is Ghana that loses. I recall my current constituency chairman somewhere in 2004 when uh, Gladys Asma of blessed memory introduced some loans and they were suing people. He lo lost elections as a constituency organizer because he was the one who went to testify against them. And the court ordered for them to pay. So he lost his election in Winneban. We lack the courage to hold people accountable. So it's like goodies. People don't care. Though it is aimed at helping you to grow, get out of poverty. So I am happy that this youth start program is being properly directed where the private banks are going to be used mm -hmm. as a channel and there's going to be a mentorship program and all that. Okay. I would urge the I, Ghanaian youth mm. who would benefit from this mm. through the passage of the E-Levy to take advantage to create jobs for others. Okay. Because really, really seriously, all this whole thing is about job creation. Let, let me take a break. I'll return for you to continue. Yes, uh, and that's a perfect note to take a break on. He says, try me and prove me. That sounds very scriptural, as in Malachi, where he says we should no, bring, no, that, that we is, should bring all the tithe into the storehouse of God, and then no, that, they'll, that they'll is, provide that the is, goodies. Is, we'll take a break. That we'll is Masonic. <laughs> okay, Masonic. <laughs> thought of where to get your dream home? Wayleed is offering you a better option. Check out our exclusive or detached house gated community. Sizes ranges from cozy three bedrooms to a luxurious five bedrooms. We at Wayleed are committed to providing you with the best building quality and value for money. In fact, we are the proud recipient of 2019's Quality Property Firm Award. Just like our homes, our payment terms focus on your need. Choose from installments up to 24 months without interest or take advantage of month gauge up to 20 years. At Waylead, we build homes for you. Call us now on 0240-11119 or 050-4499-999 to secure your dream home now. Waylead. decades, we have helped businesses connect with their trade partners all over the globe. From Ghana to Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands, and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. We have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. With our cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you. Making life simple. That is who we are. As close as a partner. Bank of Africa. We are indeed the African bank with the global reach. Finale of the 
5 Kelvin. Yes. Greetings from Our Lady of Grace Senior High School, a Catholic private senior high school located at Mampontin in the Ashanti region of Ghana, just 15 kilometers from the center of Kumasi. Olag is a citadel of excellence because we have qualified and experienced staff for ultra-modern academic, domestic, recreational, and healthcare facilities, coupled with scholarship opportunities for brilliant but needy students. With our small class sizes and individualized education policy, we are able to help our students to become the best version of themselves. By the start of WASI exams, almost everything in the syllabus from Form 1 to Form 3 was covered. Bring your child to Olaf, and you will never regret your day. We urge parents to bring your words to us and we give them the best. Welcome back. This is Newsfile. It's your most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on Newsfile, we put Ghana first. I've seen the tons of messages you have shared that we have to share with the rest of the world. But I'm sorry, we have very limited time. Let's see if we can get our guests to give us uh, about a minute each before uh, we go. And my guests on the show have been Alexander Kwamina Apenyoma King, who is a uh, member, MP, FUTU and Deputy Majority Leader, Mahama Yarega, Boku Central MP and Member Constitutional, Legal and Parliamentary Affairs Committee of Parliament and Delegate the ECOWAS Parliament. Martin Pebu is a rights activist. He's a lawyer. Dr. Kenneth Ashigwe was with us earlier and you have been listening also to Dr. Theo Echampong, political risk analyst and economist. So you were on the floor. I have just been hoping that if I took um, in the Fourth Republic, uh, just about 10 of the State of the Nation addresses together, uh, it will look to me that uh, the whole of Ghana will be like New York. <laughs> well, Thompson, I was uh, on my earlier point about mm. what the government has been doing so far. And it's, it's a matter of fact for all of us that until COVID, our groups was something very commendable. COVID came, we managed the situation such that it didn't get out of hand. Then, like the president said, the Ukraine-Russian situation, we are the receiving end here. That's the reality. But that notwithstanding, government has not given up. And I just want to make this point again, that this government consistently has acted in good faith, it means well, and when, where there is a need to genuinely intervene, it does. Look at the situation we had in the country prior to 2017, the electricity tariffs. The government at the time was bold in telling Ghanaians that 
the cost of generation, the cost of production was so high that we needed to pay the tariffs. We didn't just criticize that position in opposition, mm. but when we came into office, reductions were announced. Households, you and I, enjoyed reductions up to 18%. The records are there. Corporate buyers, those in the mining industry, got reductions up to 30%. Okay. So, yes, we cannot have a perfect situation, but all I can say is that with the new opportunity we have, to address two major sectors, the unemployment and then the rural sector, that people are calling on government to take action. Mm. I believe that having put in place this legislation, mm. we are going to make it. Okay. And I will take this opportunity as I land mm. to okay. say that I've enjoyed, I've had the benefit of our colleagues uh, who joined us via Zoom and my own respected colleague. We, we spent time in ECOWAS Parliament together. Okay where there's no NDC or MPP. Okay. And, uh, um, and unfortunately, this is where we draw the curtains. I was hoping that we could go around and get a minute each, but unfortunately, time is up. Um, my outfit, as always, is by Hubble's Couture. You can find them at Ajiringano Gates, East Legon. The number to call is 0200-84-1988. My guests have been Alexander Kwamena Apeyo 